Welcome to Same Old City, an independent York City fans podcast. My name is Simon Kraft, and who else is here? You're not going to believe it, it's Ben Aspinall. Yeah, and I understand, Ben, that you have come down with a bad case of Neil Ardley's favourite uh, medical condition, which is which has postponed the start of our recording somewhat. Is that right? Yeah, without wanting to be t- too much information this early on, on this week's episode, uh, yes, I was unfortunately otherwise occupied having um, a bout of whatever it is that's been attacking the players over the last um, last few days, if not weeks. And by when I say attacking, I don't mean like, you know, I don't mean Barnett's front six. I do mean uh, this rather weird bit of illness. But no, I feel okay. I've got myself a nice can and uh, ready to crack on. Yeah, which one ran through our squad more easily, the, the Barnett front six or this, uh, this particular bug? We'll be covering that and other questions uh, when we look at the uh, Barnett game. But we'll start off... With the Woking game. A bit of a repeat of the last time we recorded because we're doing a Saturday game and a Tuesday game. And again, we felt quite positive after the Saturday result. And then we come crashing back down to earth on the Tuesday. But we'll we'll start on a high with Woking 1, York City 2. I was watching live on real telly, Ben. I believe you were too. I was in my in-laws uh, in West Yorkshire watching that in the living room. Uh, getting very, very agitated as the play went on with obviously spoilers, the relief at the end and doing my absolute best to be the perfect son-in-law that I am by not being profane or angry at a television screen. There was a bit of logistical uh, issues for me in terms of trying to make sure that I was free to watch it. So my wife took the four-year-old out for a bit. I was left with the baby, so I had to try and push him around the block trying to get into nap and he fell to sleep perfectly about 12:25 5 minutes before kickoff unfortunately i had a bit of an issue getting the stream going meaning i missed the first 15 minutes or so bit of trouble remembering my uh, tnt spot login definitely my login details and not your wife's details mm-hmm. that i was borrowing yeah. just to make that clear yeah to all of the uh, solicitors and lawyers that do invariably listen to this podcast it was simon's own BT Sport slash TNT Sport login details. Yeah. But let's start by looking at the lineup. It's because there were some changes. So Callum Howe was back in uh, after his bout of the illness which cannot be named. So Adam Crooks moved out to left back. Alex Woodyard was back in for the first time in a while. In for Dyson, which was uh, nice to see. Sizeba was in for Hurst. But the main sort of talking point when we saw the lineup was the fact there was only four subs. So I think you and I both speculated by text message, didn't we, that um, because Woking had four subs only as well, we had the fear of Godstruck inside us and we were thinking there's no way Adley's done some sort of gentleman's agreement as he and agreed to have a, a subs bench that matches theirs. Luckily, that was explained away by uh, by Adley uh, talking about the illness that had ravaged the travelling um, group. But I was very worried the fact that it was also like the three out players were quite clearly all going to come into interplay uh, uh, Lassie Fairweather, McLaughlin and the new lad Marsh. So you could tell already what the subs were going to be, which is a little bit, a little bit annoying because you, you, know, you know, try and keep spoiler free when it comes to uh, to watching York. But otherwise, I think the 11 made a lot of sense. I was delighted to see Woodyard make the start. We've all been waiting for him and Batty in central midfield, haven't we? And um, Crooks, whilst not as adventurous as uh, Lassie Fairweather in terms of, you know, the attacking left uh, fullback, he's a very, very reliable defender. I think he's kind of the inverse of, of Lassie Fairweather in, in a way. 
So I was glad to see him, you know, filling in next to um, Cordo on the left side of defence. So I think in terms of that 11, I was uh, I was pretty happy. In terms of how the game started, like I say, I missed the first 15 minutes or so. The only thing I saw on the highlights was Dippo sort of breaking clean through but being given offside, which looked a bit borderline. It was borderline, but um, the, the, the replays shown by TNT showed that he was just off, but... Um, the linesman did very well to give that, but it's one of them where it could have easily been given, you know, the, the flag could have stayed down. By the time I tuned in, the first major chance went to Woking, which was on about 20 minutes when they broke clean through. Um, looked like it was offside, and the commentators were saying, oh, that must be offside, and hit the post. But actually, when you watched it back, it was just either a well-timed run or possibly an error from our defenders playing too high a line. Mm. Uh, it was a bit disappointing to see Saziba get dispossessed quite so easily in the very first instance of that. Um, I didn't think he had a great first half in general, Saziba. The ball over the top uh, for their attacker to run through 1-2. It's Corder playing him on and he's unlucky. He, he tries to play a trap. The lad just does him good and proper. You know, um, it's not, it's just a little bit of that positional awareness. It seems to be a little bit better. But we got away with that one. The attacker should be scoring that. It's just everything right except the finish there. Uh, so we got very, very lucky with that, in my opinion. Yeah, and we got lucky again about three minutes later when we took the lead. It's the shop. Um, I think it, mm-hmm. Maz was sort of had the ball and, and then it sort of bobbled to the shop and he gambled on a shot from you know well outside the area, deflected off Luke Wilkinson and looped well over the working keeper. It was lucky, but I think as we said about the Paul Barnes' first goal on the uh, Manchester United <laughs> episode, if you don't buy a ticket, you don't win the lottery and that was uh, what paid off I agree completely um, nice little intricate build up as well uh, done left in the in, you know before the goal happened I think Batty's involved in a lovely flick of the outside of the boot to get the ball through to I believe it's Maz yeah, and you, you mentioned Maz in the build up as well it's specu- it's a speculative shot by uh, John Lewis it, the deflection's pretty wicked but it's pretty perfectly looped um, Jessica Lannan is, is maybe a bit unlucky but he's not going to know that's going to happen to him so it's, you know, it's, a, it's a good stroke of luck, but um, you've got to speculate to accumulate. Yeah, this was my first awareness of the fact that Will Jaskalainen <laughs> exists. And I think I did message you saying that has to be a football manager regen name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we were 1-0 up. We were sort of on top, I thought, really, most of the first half. We had another chance when Dippo broke free, but then he was sort of a bit too wide when he hit his shot, when he was straight at the keeper. Didn't really have anyone yeah. up in, in support. Yeah, it was one of them where he's, his only option was to have a go at the keeper. And um, he's good. He's very good. But I don't think he's, you know, that good to be, um, you know, putting up making the shot so strong it's going to put the keeper and the ball into the net. So he did, he, he did the only option that was available to him, you know, try and get the um, shot away and get a, a set piece, like a corner out of it. But Woking was still having a fair few chances themselves. There was one particularly decent chance, I thought, where Corboa had a header he was sort of near the penalty spot it was a really decent chance but it was pretty poor effort in the end it was it was well wide but that could have been much worse it was quite interesting by um from what the tnt sports uh, commentators were saying that how all of woking's um best chances and their best players coming down york's flanks which was really worrying yeah the commentators like i say were quite positive about us but that has been a bit of a weakness in our play all season, really. But yeah, it's worrying when you've got the four four two. You know, you've got two wide players in theory on both flanks that should be 
be able to double up and mm-hmm. stop teams getting crosses in easily. Yeah, but we made it through to half time, one nil up. I thought we probably just about deserved the lead, although we weren't yeah. entirely convincing at the back still. Woodyard looked particularly good coming back, you know, he was sort of mopping up in front of the defence. It seemed like we'd changed our style of play a little bit from the Oldham game. We were going a bit more direct. Not hoofing it, but, mm. you know, not overplaying it like we maybe were against Oldham. But, yeah, to go into the second half, I thought Woking was starting to, to be on top at this point. We were still sort of looking a little bit threatening, but they were having the slightly better chances, and that's how it proved when they got the equaliser. And I wasn't surprised by the equaliser, I have to be honest, when it did come in, and it, we'll talk about the, the equaliser and the play itself in, in depth, but when it happened... Yeah, I wasn't surprised whatsoever. Yeah, it felt like it had been coming. And yeah, it was on 57 minutes. So it was John Lewis, sort of loose pass, gives it away. But then it's poor defending for the counter-attack as well. Um, Whitley makes a couple of decent saves from Armand, who sort of slipped in between Howe and Cordner, wasn't quite picked up. And he yeah, got a couple of attempts in that Whitley saved both of them. But then Corbo was there to tap it in. Although... As the replay showed, he was clearly in an offside position. Yeah. This call should not have been given. He's completely offside. He's he's in front of uh, of um, Whitley. He's very much interfering in play. He's blocking uh, the keeper's view. This call should not have been given whatsoever. It was interesting how the commentators didn't really remark on it until there was a replay about five, ten minutes later. And they said, hang on, mm. was he offside? <laughs> and then they were yeah. also saying, oh, I'm surprised York players didn't appeal for it but they very clearly did. Yeah. I do have to say, I was, I was a little bit disappointed with um, with called this uh, part of this, this goal, unfortunately. When the first effort takes place, he kind of falls to one knee. You know, he's kind of crouching down. So he's not quick enough to react. Do you know what I mean? After the, after the original effort, it's, it's a little bit annoying when you consider that, we, you know, we're trying to, you know, get the confidence back in, back in uh, our Tyler. Unfortunately, yeah, I think he was a little bit, um, a little bit lax in defending for this one. I'm, I'm very sad to say. But yeah, I think if you're Whitley in that situation, you make two saves, but they still manage to get a goal. You you probably are a bit annoyed that you know we've not been yeah. able to get a foot on it. Next point of note, I guess, was in 65th minute they did the applause for Dave Barton, the City fan, which was nice mm-hmm. to sort of have that acknowledged and for the club to be pushing that so much. I don't think that kind of thing would have maybe happened under previous regimes. I think that's a very, very good point. Um, I hadn't considered the, considered the uh, the previous regime aspects of that slide, so thanks for bringing that up. Yep, it was uh, fair play to the uh, TNT guys for uh, you know acknowledging the applause, showing the supporters, uh, and explaining what it was all about. Um, that was very heartfelt. I th- I thought, and especially with a bit of a, a long distance away game at an awkward time, you know, it's very much the diehards, the diehards who made that trip, and they were. Full voice and you know very enthusiastic in in uh, celebrating a, a very popular York City supporter. So, yeah, absolutely fair play to everybody involved. After that, there were a couple of substitutions that we made. So, Crooks seemed to come down with an injury, so Lati Fairweather came on in his place, and the other change was Siziba going off. Interestingly, mm-hmm. for Paddy, so we moved to a four-three-three system. Um, you yeah. mentioned Siziba, maybe. Another one where he was a little bit quiet or not quite in the game that much. Well, just before he went off, he did put uh, John Lewis through, didn't he? Um, he, he persevered, he, he tackled um, a walking player, 
to come out with the ball and he puts a nice little pass through to John Lewis who uh, in the channel uh, I think it, John Lewis kind of has a bit of a speculative cross open that Depot might be able to make at the far post it's not a clear cut chance but it's a decent effort and it is started by Saziba so you know credit it where it's due by all means but um, yeah unfortunately I don't think it was his best effort on, on Saturday just gone but no it is well worth pointing out that um, you know he, he kept trying his chin didn't go down yeah, but interesting that Ardley had sort of identified that the system maybe wasn't working second half and he'd moved to get mm-hmm. another body in central midfield. A couple of minutes after Paddy had come on, we almost took the lead again. So there was a goal scramble. Uh, John Lewis oh, yes. hits the bar and then Maz has sort of a chance, but there's too many defenders in the way and then it comes out to Batty and his follow-up shot is saved. Were you doing the same thing as I was? Were you on the edge of your set going, ah, ah, with each passing opportunity? Were you doing the same as me? I mean, a little bit, bearing in mind I was still trying not to wake the baby up, so I was I was maybe uh, mm. not voicing my frustration quite as loudly, but yeah, it was, um, <laughs> I was definitely good to see that one not going. Cause... I, thought, I, I thought it was a decent hit by Beth Batty at the end, you know, the uh, the final save by the goalkeeper. Maybe it was, maybe it was at him, but it was hit with some power on his left foot, you know, through a crowd of players, that could have took a nick off anyone and gone in any direction. So I wasn't sure if it did take a deflection on its way through actually to the keeper. But yeah, when there's that many bodies in the box, you just never really know what's going to happen. Pretty much straight after that, Woken hit the woodwork themselves, which was <laughs> Carboa again, the goal scorer. Um, has the ball on the edge of the good, area. He had, a good, he had a good game, didn't he, Carboa? He was um, a very, very interesting player. Yeah, well, this one in particular, I mean, it would have been a wonder goal if it had gone in. Yeah. I think it hit... Post, the... It was a crossbar, crossbar then post, wasn't it? I was going to say that. I, I think, because when I initially saw it, I thought, oh, that's hit the bar. And then the commentator mm. said, oh, it hit the post. And we saw one replay, but it wasn't clear. But I think it hits bar then post, which is a bit of a collector's item, I guess. You can, there's not too many times that happens and it ends up not going in. Mm. After that, we made another change. So Aidan Marsh came on to make his debut. Um, signed on loan from Barnsley. I thought he looked lively, sort of full of energy and enthusiasm when he came on. He had one particular shot uh, just outside the box where he sort of cut inside and then flashed a shot not too far wide. I was quietly impressed with his debut, actually. I think uh, he put um, a good bit of effort in. You mentioned a shot that went wide. You know, he did well to cut inside, put on his left and um, get a shot onto the far, away to the far post. Yeah, he, he, he looks quite tidy. You know, I wanted to see... After, straight after the game, my first reaction was I want to see more of this kid. He looked like he'd uh, he'd be able to bring something different to, to the uh, to the starting eleven. So, yeah, good good debut for uh, for young uh, Jody Marsh there. I know that's not his name. That's what I'm going to call him. No, his name's Rodney, I think. <laughs> well, he does have the most South Yorkshire accent I've ever heard in in my life. So, fair play to him. But Woking was still having quite a few chances themselves. Um, there was one where Armand had a header, just sort of deflected off Lati Fairweather and just bobbled wide. Then back up the other end, Lati Fairweather had a chance where he absolutely ballooned it over after a counter attack. <laughs> he hadn't really covered yeah. himself in himself in glory since coming on at that point. But what was to follow? Uh, he would redeem on, himself. Let, let, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this winner side. There's so much good stuff going on in this. All all the aspects of play in this in this winning goal, isn't there? Yeah. How many times have you watched it back? A lot, uh, especially after the fact. You know, after it happened on Saturday, watching it back on social media, 
I love every part of this. It's brilliant from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, let's describe it, I guess, uh, in detail. So it's a great ball from Dippo to Lati Fairweather. It, I initially thought he'd put a bit too much on the pass, mm. uh, but I guess Lati Fairweather, you know, he's he's not been on the pitch long. He's fairly quick. He managed to get to it. Uh, cuts it back across to the onrushing Paddy McLaughlin, who takes a shot, which somehow the defender manages to head <laughs> onto the bar, which is an incredible block. And then it's, a, it's some amazing defending by the goal, by the uh, by that defender there to to put your head on the line like that. You know, you risk taking that full on in the smacker, and he doesn't. You know, he, he heads it onto the post and crossbar again. I think it is, and then it falls out to. Uh, to both Fallafield and Marshall, they're absolutely queuing up to pull it in, aren't they? Yeah, and it's Fallafield who taps in the rebound. And yeah, I mean, I was obviously running around the living room going mad. I was also slightly in silence, worried. I in silence, yeah. I was running around the living room silently going mad because the baby was <laughs> incredibly still asleep. He woke up literally as the final <laughs> whistle blew. It was, uh, yeah, it was beautiful. Oh, the dream. Yeah. But I was slightly concerned it might get given offside. I was worried about that as well. Watching the replay back, it was tight, but I think he was on. But I also don't really care because it wasn't given <laughs> and they had an offside goal given. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's brilliant play all round. And especially to be in the 97th minute and you've got both your fullbacks coming up. When we've been under a lot of pressure against, you know, one of the better sides in the league, it would have been mm-hmm. easy to just rest on our laurels, try and grind out the draw. But as Ardley said afterwards, you know, he wasn't setting up a team to be afraid of losing. You know, he wanted them to push for the win. So what's what, what, what your thoughts on this were? I quite liked uh, Paddy in kind of the advanced role in midfield. So, you know, with uh, with Woodyard and Batty behind him. He, was, he seemed to find a bit of space and some good passes. Um, you know, credit to where it's due. I thought Paddy had a, a decent cameo. Yeah, I mean, the, the change to 4-3-3 seemed to make a difference, whether it was... Paddy himself or just a different system but yeah I think maybe that more mm. advanced role that we sort of were used to seeing him play back in his first spell at the club all those years ago maybe that mm-hmm. still plays a bit more to his strengths so yeah there was still a couple of minutes left to run down the clock but we managed to do it yeah the scenes in the away end looked uh, looked glorious I mean that's what you dream <laughs> of when you yeah when you book a long trip down to Surrey saw people setting off at you know 5am to get there in time for lunchtime kickoff what better reward can you have than a um, you know last minute winner against the side much higher in the league when you've been defending for your lives for a lot of the second half? Can I just take this moment, please, Simon, if it's okay with you, to give a shout out to a uh, listener and also previous guest uh, Ben Robinson, who attended the match. He left at the ninety minute mark to get to a three o'clock kickoff, so he missed the winner. So I just want to say, uh, well done, Ben. Uh, we're all proud of you. Um, if you could do that again at one all in future, that would be greatly appreciated. Is that going to be a lucky charm going forward then? I'm just looking forward to the next long distance away game where we're physically dragging Ben to the uh, to the turnstile at 90 minutes when the board <laughs> goes up for added time telling him that he has to leave. I mean, speaking of missing late goals, I think uh, you managed to miss Dippo second uh, in the Barnet game as well, but we'll, we'll come on to that. <laughs> it was slightly less of a uh, key moment in the game, I guess. But yeah, just looking at the tweets we had in response to this game, I had tweeted, could there be any better way to get our first away win of the season? Not a perfect performance, but we kept plugging away and always looked a threat on the counter. We had a few responses. Um, So there was one from Liam Holmes, which said, 
looked solid throughout and thought Woodyard mopped up everything in midfield. He's definitely going to be a key player for us. Bring on Barnett. Didn't quite pan out with the uh, with the Barnett bit, but yeah, agree with the rest of it. One from Wilshire James. Ardley's changed to 4-3-3 won us this game. And dare I say we looked much better after Paddy came on, which was the point you were making. And another one from Dylan Hildreth. In the last seconds away from home, great to see four players in the box for a wide player to aim for. Yeah, I think that'll be one of the more memorable moments from the first couple of months of this season when we when we look back on it. Absolutely. And I kind of felt like this game felt like it might be a bit of a turning point in our season, just the manner of the victory, the fact that we'd gone somewhere who were, you know, aside competing in the playoffs and got a result. That was the way I felt at the time. Obviously, sitting here the day after the defeat to Barnet, I maybe feel slightly differently. I was delighted with the, the smash and grab element of it. Um, we spoke before, didn't we, about our weird little hex that we have of Awoken, bless them. And I said it didn't really matter, but that's all I could think of immediately after the match. I thought, oh God, they must absolutely despise playing us. I was just so happy with um, some of the performances as well. I thought uh, players like Ballerfield and uh, Woodyard playing his first full 90. Batty was reliable again. Akinyemi always putting a shift in. I thought there was so much potential there. I was genuinely really excited for the Barnett game, which I know we've been making jokes about, but I thought if we could go to a, a, a team like Woking and do what we did to them, home to Barnett, then you know anything can happen. So I was very, very excited about uh, what, what would just taken place. After the game, there was another thing I wanted to touch on as well, which was um, Tyler Cordner had come in for a bit of criticism, you know, despite the win, as he has done at various points this season. Um, and he sent a tweet out, basically. Let's get the tweet up now. So Cordner's tweet said, Great win today. However, I don't play football to get personally battered on social media. I play it because I love the game and I'm working hard behind the scenes on things I need to do to become better and to help my teammates. 100% I'd have hoped for a better start. However, no one in life is perfect. When people go personal, if it was the other way around, you'd confront that person at work or wherever. If you have a problem, come tell me. Easy to speak out on social media. But what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it was a pretty strong statement. Um, it's very sad that he felt felt like that he needed to say it. Uh, I sympathise with him completely. He struck me as a lad who's not happy on the field and off the field. It's clearly something quite bothering him. We don't. We don't. It's not. We're not privy to that information, and that's speculation on our part. But I, I think um, he doesn't strike me as a, as a happy player. Um, but I know I've been critical of some of his performances so far this season. Always just try and you know excuse the pun as it were, but you know play the ball, not the man. We've always tried to explain how we think he could do better, you know, why we think it's going wrong. Definitely don't make it personal, of course. Like that goes without saying. We've all been, we've all made mistakes sometimes on social media and forums, etc., of saying the wrong thing about a player that does veer into the personal aspect of it. You know, sometimes trying to get a cheap laugh. But we've got regarding Tyler specifically. We've only ever said things about his performances, and I think that's fair. If he were to go into any uh, number of uh, pubs after away games that we've had very recently, you'd hear far worse than some of the stuff that I've seen him tagged in, to be, to be really honest with you. But, and that's the price that comes with being a professional footballer. No abuse should be directed at him. You know, I don't think it's fair to to at his Twitter account and, and you know tag him into comments or say anything horrifically personal whilst on the terrace. You know, we should be supporting these players. But you know, people are entitled to their opinions regarding his his, his and others' 
uh, performances so far this season. So it's a fine line. Um, but I do think having seen some of the stuff that Tan has been has been sent, uh, I think it has been crossed in certain instances. And just to echo what I said before, I, it's a real, real shame it's had to it's had to get to this stage of both Tyler and the club having to speak out. Yeah, well said. It turned out actually that Cardinal was going to be suspended for the following game because he'd been booked as part of the celebrations for that late winner, which a uh, bit of a ridiculous decision, really, but. There you go. That's a uh, modern refereeing, I suppose. Yeah, it's a strange one. It was him and uh, Lottie Fairweather both went over to the supporters and hugged them uh, during the, the melee of celebrations. Um, it's one of those frustrating ones by letter of law. It is a yellow card, but when it's that f- fifth yellow to get yourself booked for the next game, it's very annoying. With Cardinal suspended and then, as it turned out, Crooks injured, we were looking a bit short at centre-back. You know, We only really had Callum Howe as a professional who we actually trust to play first-team football, um, <laughs> which meant that obviously we turned to Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Now, there's been a lot of puns about Will Smith, <laughs> which, you know, I don't agree with that. I think puns are cheap humour. Mm-hmm. It's not something yeah. we would uh, stoop that low, I don't think. It's one rung above sarcasm, in my opinion. Yeah, we, we would absolutely not do that. Because I'm sure he's had to put up with it all his life. My only issue with it is, so initially I thought, okay, you know, that's a bit unfortunate. He's been called Will Smith. His parents have called him that, you know, before the actor and rap singer Will Smith has become Whoa, have we checked his date of birth here? I've checked his date of birth. What is it? Let me just bring it up now to get you the exact date. So Will Smith, William Smith, the footballer. Make Make sure you put footballer, yeah. I've put footballer. Okay. He was born in Leeds. Yeah. On the 4th of November, 1998. Right, so that is after Independence Day and Men in Black. Well, Will Smith, the actor, is right. 30 years old at this point when okay. Will Smith, the footballer, is born. The Fresh Prince has run for six years and then mm. been finished for two at this point. Right. Getting Jiggy With It is literally in the charts, in the UK charts, while his parents are getting Jiggy With It to conceive the footballer Will Smith. Well, maybe that's what spurred him on. <laughs> Possibly. It could be, um, yeah, the, the inspiration behind the name. But what I'm saying is it must be intentional. That's a big accusation, that, Simon. Well, you know, I just think there's no way in, in the year 1998, a person of age to be having children wasn't aware of Will Smith. He'd already been in Bad Boys, Independence Day, Men in Black, the year of, of his birth, Enemy of the State. These are, these are big films. These are very popular films at this point. Um, something's not adding up for me. We were not far before the millennium, let's be honest. Mm. But in all seriousness, you know, it was a position we needed to strengthen in. He's played a reasonable number of games at Harrogate. He'd done well at Scunthorpe last season. Uh, Scunthorpe fans were very happy with him. I appreciate Scunthorpe for a side that got relegated from the division that we're in. But from his few appearances that he made at uh, as a loan signing for for Scunny, he'd done quite well. He was um, quite popular for his, uh, his his short time there, so I was quite confident. Now I'm not sure how familiar you are with Will Smith's filmography, but did you know that in 2008 he was a producer on a film called The Secret Life of Bees? Was it a documentary about Barnet? 
I'm not sure. I've not seen it, I'll be honest. Oh, right. Sorry. Okay. But I did think it was a nice segue into the fact that Will Smith made his York City debut against the Bees Barnet mm. Football Club um, on Tuesday night. Yeah. So, so yeah, Smith was in, in place of Cordner, who was suspended, as we mentioned. Latty Fairweather was in at left back for Crooks, who was injured. And the only other change was Aidan Marsh made his full debut up front. As I think John Lewis had some personal issues uh, that okay. hardly mentioned, so wasn't in the squad. I hope it's not too serious. Uh, you know, Lenny's a great part of the, the squad at the moment. He offers a certain something to, to the way we play. So here's uh, hoping everything gets sorted out for him. But yeah, we started very well in this game. Yeah, we were sort of knocking it around nicely. I guess continuing the positive things that we saw against Woking. And it was only seven minutes in that we took the lead. It was good work from Dan Batty in midfield, who won it back. Uh, played it through to Aidan Marsh, who slotted a nice through ball through to Dippo. Uh, Dippo took a couple of touches, take it into the box. Thought he'd maybe left it too late to shoot, but no, he just lifted it over the keeper just at the right time as the keeper was mm. rushing out. And yeah, 1-0 up. I was delighted with this goal, every aspect of it. Batty winning the ball, uh, the assist by Marsh, Dippo's finish, the, the way he teased the defence and the goalkeeper, and also the the, the, the guy's... Watching from the south stand, like we were, you you think he's going to get away from me. You think the oh, you, you took it too many touches, Dippo, and he just lovely, gently lifts it over the, the onrushing goalkeeper. You were there saluting in the south stand uh, in tribute. How could I help myself? Unfortunately, Barnet seemed to figure us out quite quickly after that, and started seeing mm-hmm. quite a lot of the ball. And it was not long after that they had the ball in the net, but ruled out for offside. So. Lati Fairweather seemed to be beaten a bit too easily um, before the cross came in. I think it mm-hmm. probably was offside watching it back, but it was hard to know for sure. I, don't, I think Lati Fairweather has been targeted by by Barnett. He's clearly isolated out there in left-back position. I think the attacker gets through him a little, a little bit too easily, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, and that would be a bit of a theme um, because, like you mentioned, Crooks has the sort of defensive solidity and not the movement going mm. forward I think if Crooks was still on the pitch in the 97th minute at Woking we don't score that goal because he wouldn't be running into the box in the 97th minute but obviously yeah. Latty Fairweather did but then on the flip side Latty Fairweather's positional sense or his sort of defensive play sometimes is found a bit wanting particularly against better sides and that seemed mm-hmm. to happen a couple of times in this game but yeah that one was ruled out for offside but they didn't have to wait long to have a goal that did stand. So it was 12 minutes in. Cross came into the box from Barnett's left-hand side. We managed to get a defensive header to it, but it just fell to Harry Pritchard just inside the area. He kind of stabbed it into the corner. How did you I see thought it was a really one? good little finish from uh, from the fella when it comes out to him, you know, pulling in, into that far corner, giving uh, Whitley no chance. Uh, fair place for him. He did very well to get that in. Yeah, I thought it was just decent play by Barnett, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and watching it back, yeah, there wasn't anything in particular I would pick out as being an error, which not necessarily the same for the subsequent goals. But yeah, they definitely looked a, a very good side, even in this half when we were matching them to some extent. But then we had another chance through Siziba. Uh, some good work from Dippo sent him through and he beat a defender, but just flashed the shot wide. Um, yeah, it was re- really good um, effort from Sazibar, I thought. You know, um, 
manages to create that little bit of room to get that shot away. He, he did really well to do that. He did, obviously, it flashes across the face of gold, doesn't it, right in front of us, as we said. So I definitely thought, you know, we know what, what, what we know now what was to come. But at the time, I thought we were still in this. I thought they were starting to play better than us, but we were definitely um, giving them a little bit of worry with uh, Sazeba and Dippo up top. Yeah, there was another one where Dippo sort of played the ball right across the face of goal, but wasn't anyone running in to, to meet it. Uh, yeah, you were a bit you were a bit annoyed about that. And on the South Stand, what you say, I remember you saying, like, there's two players in the box, one has to speculate, one has to go and think that it's going to be a cut across the, the the face of the goal. And it was, I agree now, watching the highlights back, it's it was a uh, little bit frustrating, but never mind. And then there was a penalty shout at each end. So Dippo went down in the area. Thought it was mm-hmm. fairly clearly not a penalty at the time. And watching it back, I still, yeah, don't really see anything in that one. But you got to appeal for them, haven't you? <laughs> the Barnet penalty shout at the other end, um, I think it's Stead who goes down. Mm-hmm. At the time, watching it from the south stand, obviously it was quite far away. I thought maybe it might be given. But again, watching that one back, that didn't look like a foul either to me. I think you've got them both spot on there, so I think neither one of them's a penalty. But then with the officiating at this level, at this in this day and age, both could have been given, you know. So, but yeah, we're going at half time, one all. I think Barnett had been gradually imposing themselves, and I did say I think we're possibly going to lose this one at half time. But at the same time, we'd put in a decent account of ourselves at that point. But the second half was a bit of a different story, really. It was right from the off, all Barnett pretty much, and we just felt like we were hanging on felt inevitable that at some point they would break through. You know, they were getting numbers forward, knocking it around our defence quite easily and having far more possession than us. And, yeah, it just felt like we were trying to stem the tide, but that it was a matter of time. I have to totally agree with you there. Um, whilst that first half felt very, you know, I won't say even, that's, that's completely not true. Barnet were the better side, but we could, you know, we could bruise them. We could, you know, bop them on the nose. We could sucker punch them. I just felt in the second half, especially uh, based on the changes that Ardley made, which I want to come to later, if that's okay. I think they just kind of turned up, you know, the gears, went through the gears you know, by one and by two, and eventually, you know, they were very much well on top of us for most of the second half. Yeah, and it was on 64 minutes that they took the lead. So it was Kanu, not the one who played for Arsenal and other teams, I don't believe. Don't think he's still playing. Well, if the allegations about his age are uh, true, then he could still be going. Yeah, probably still claiming to be 23. <laughs> um, but no, it was Kanu who played a little one-two. Didn't really get closed down enough. And then he hit a fairly weak shot, it seemed to me, through a couple of defenders' legs that then trickled in at the near post. At the time, watching this go in in front of us in the south stand, it really seemed like Whitley should have at least got down to make an attempt to save it. Do you not think he's wrong-footed, though? You know, he's, it, it would be physically very, very difficult, if not impossible, to to get down when his momentum's going in a different direction, quite low. That's what I thought, looking back. Potentially, that might explain it, but, I mean, that's one of the skills you have to have in your locker as a goalkeeper, isn't it, is changing mm-hmm. direction quickly. And I thought the shot was slow enough that there would have been time to do that, um, but maybe he's, maybe he's unsighted by the defenders in front of him. I'm not sure. Where do you sort of lay the blame for this one? <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think I blame Whitley as much. He's just not, not he just doesn't anticipate that happening in that direction, that, that specific, you know, uh, part of the goal. 
it is a it is a slower slower weaker shot, isn't it? I think you're right there, but um, no, I, I just think he's thinking it's going to go somewhere else, and he's not anticipating that uh, having to dive there. It's annoying, it's frustrating, but um, I, I, I can't say a specific blame for that one. Yeah, but when that one went in, you sort of felt everyone's collective heads drop and think, ah, you know, yeah, yeah, that's true. They're a much better team than us, aren't they? And there's still, <laughs> you know, half an hour left of this game. How bad is this one going to end up? Mm-hmm. And it didn't take them long to get another. It was 68 minutes. Um, this one, again, another disappointing one to concede, really, because it's a really high looping cross over from the left. And it's Reese Hall-Johnson, I think, who outjumps a couple of our players. I think it's Latty Fairweather and possibly Smith. <laughs> but they've had a long time to see that one coming in. Hall Johnson wins the header and it loops over Whitley. I've seen some people blaming Whitley for this one. I didn't put him as fault as much for this one. I thought it was one that the defence should have dealt with better, given how long they had to see it coming. I was annoyed about it. Um, you know, the 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 right fullback managing to rise so so easily above you know seasoned defenders to uh, to get that that header away. I agree with you. I don't blame Whitley for this one. You know, it's got some great precision in the header. You know, in where it ends up in in the in the goal. So it was just a sign of the quality, the uh, the uh, distance between the two sets of uh, teams. Yeah, it was just sort of wave after wave of attack from them coming through in the second half, really. And you could see our players were tiring, and we were just mm. ending up with basically ten men camped on the edge of our box, really. And it was difficult for the fans to sort of generate much atmosphere because there wasn't really anything to cling on to because. It was just sort of almost like a training match at this point for Barnet. They were just knocking it around and we weren't really getting a sniff. They nearly got a fourth when they hit the post. Um, mm. They were doing some nice sort of playing it out from the back um, and then the ball broke to Hall Johnson again um, who ran into the box. He sort of cut inside Smith. He was bearing down on goal but he his shot just hit the post. I thought that one was going in. Yeah, we did, didn't we? From where we were, where we were sat. Um, I was a little bit annoyed about um, Smith and Latifair where they get into a bit of a mix-up. They both kind of stop dead in their tracks, don't they? Because they don't know who's going to try and grow out to the attacker. Um, it's quite clear in the in the highlights. But you know, considering that Smith has had at most one training session with his new colleagues, then certain miscommunication can be, you know, explained. So nothing that can't be fixed on a training ground. They did make it four-one on eighty-one minutes. So this time. It's a cross that comes in, and again, I thought we just gave them far too much time to put the cross in. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then there's a near post flicked header that just sort of trickles in off the far post. Decent header, again, don't think Whitley can necessarily be called out for this one, uh, but it's just, again, we, we just look so leggy in terms of not closing them down, and they were just running rings around us. I, I really enjoyed the build-up to it as well, uh, you know, the, the lovely little cross in. You mentioned the flicked glancing header. Aesthetically, it was, it was a pretty good goal, you know. Fair play to Barnet. Yeah, it was. It was one of them where you're thinking, okay, this is the standard of teams that are competing at the top. I think though, it reminded me a bit of the Notts County game last year, where he said, okay, this is the best team that we've seen. This is a team that's mm-hmm. a cut above. Yeah. And at this point, we were sort of trying to work out what the heaviest defeat at the LNER was, um, and whether this would be it. Three 0 Bradford Park Avenue. Well, it's whether you count four one as worse than 3-0 because you've let in another goal or whether it's better because you've mm. scored one. It's it's semantics. But at the end of the day, didn't matter because we got a 
consolation goal with pretty much our only attack of the second half, really. <laughs> which, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you had uh, scuttled away before this one went in, I believe, to uh, enjoy a pint. Yep, uh, you, you could have found me in the bowling alley at this point. Um, I managed to quote, quote tweet the announcement of Dippo's consolation goal with a picture of my flat uh, star of Pramon in a very warm glass. So, you know, I like to think that I was a real winner in that exchange. Yeah, I mean, don't think too many people can hold it against you for leaving when we fall one down at home. Um, <laughs> I do think it's a good goal, to be fair. Maz does very well to put Dippo in. Um, and it's quite similar to the first goal in that Dippo just thinks, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to run it, you know, run towards the goalkeeper with the ball. And as opposed to dink over, it's a dink pass, isn't it, this time? So it's a very, very good goal, actually. But yeah, pulls it back to 4-2, gives the fans something to cheer about. And it's sort of made the atmosphere slightly less negative, I think, by the time the final whistle went. I didn't really hear any boos. I think hopefully there was an acknowledgement that yeah. we're very much a work in progress. Barnett are a, a lot further along their journey, if you will. You know, there will just be times when you get outclassed by a better team, and this this was one of them. I agree completely. Um, I think there's a lot of reflection upon that in uh, on social media and, and online, on forums afterwards. They were everything that I want York City to be in their... Uh, strength in their technique and their movement and their pe- their passing, how they pressed us out the game. I was very very impressed with Barnett. Fair play. Yeah, those bees were just buzzing around us. Yep, making that sweet sweet football in honey. That's correct. That's exactly what they did. Yeah, but yeah, the tweets we had made similar points. Uh, there was one from Matthew Clegg, which said, "Yes, sometimes you just have to doff your cap to the opposition." Well played, the mm-hmm. bees. Having the brown stuff dribbling down your legs can't be conducive to good football, though. Well, we'll come on to that uh, shortly. Another tweet from James Richardson, which said, Rare underpass second halves from Fallowfield, Howe and Batty. Dyson poor as a sub. Half the back four missing with suspension and injury. Hardly saying illness still affecting performance. Barnett hardly put a foot wrong, giving us no time on the ball. Best team we've played. I agree with everything that James has said there. Very, very good point. Bit of a perfect storm in some ways. Sometimes you've just got to say the better team, the better team won. The circumstances regarding our defence were a little bit frustrating, especially in the aspect of it being a little bit self-inflicted. But we miss Crooks. I think we missed some of the distribution that um, Cobber can offer us. Uh, it was a makeshift centre-back partnership, considering how soon, considering how recent Howe and uh, Smith had met. So, yeah, um, it's, it's, it's no surprise that Barnett were able to put us away as emphatically as they, as they had done. Yeah, I mean, in Ardley's post-match interview, he did reveal there were some mitigating circumstances uh, in terms of that the sickness and diarrhea was still running through the camp, as it were. Um, Running. (laughs) Yep. To the extent that there were some players in the matchday squad, potentially some people playing, who were in the middle of it, which obviously can't have been ideal. Um, But ironically, it was Barnett who played liquid football. Oh. Although, yeah, I mean, we made a bright start, but we just couldn't hold on, could we? We just weren't solid enough at the back. Nope. 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 Sorry, I should, have put, st- I should have put a trigger warning on these, given your current condition. You're making a stool of yourself, Simon. Oh, dear, that is, a, that is a real shame, that one. I think you had a couple of more serious points, maybe, that you wanted to cover, Ben. Yes, so um, I'll start with the, the, the off-the-field stuff first, if that's okay. So I, I thought the, um, the tribute, our own tribute to, to Dave Barton, in the 65th minute was you know it was great it was it was uh, wonderful to see the whole of the LNR you know applauding uh, a very popular supporter um the picture of the of his of his seat with the uh, flowers and scarf found it was very moving on social media 
I did really appreciate that. And uh, I, I didn't know David or Dick is he is he it was he was called by his friend. I didn't know him at all. But I have to say, if he's a if he's half a passionate York City fan as I am, which I'm sure he's much more passionate than I am, I am certain that he would have found it very morbidly amusing that uh, <laughs> he was his tribute. His mid-long applause was taking place as Barnet were tearing us to shreds. How very York City, how very, very typical same old city it was. It was, uh, yeah, quite weirdly uh, amusing. And I'm sure he would have uh, he would have appreciated that. Uh, next, I would actually just want to say, um, I felt this at the time during the second half of the game. Uh, I, I Maybe Adley's hand was forced by the situation that you described so um, vividly uh, just before there, Simon. But I felt like he got his substitutions wrong at halftime. And the ones in the second half as well. Now thinking about it, you know, some of the players are half fit and uh, we have had this illness running through the camp. But I think the move to... I I, I looked online, so people are describing it as 3-5-2. I thought it was 4-3-3 in the second half. So maybe that shows how much attention I was paying. But I think it was more like a uh, 7-2-1 for most of the second half anyway. <laughs> so it was hard to see what Sydney we were meant to be playing. But I assumed it was a 4-3-3 as well, just based on the fact yeah. that it was... Dyson coming on for Sizeba, so it was an extra centre mid on for a winger. And then obviously Marsh went off around that point as well after the, the minutes of pause, didn't he? I think and when, when Harriet comes on. Yeah, uh, and yeah so he went to that 4-3-3 and um, it, it was quite jarring in that against um, against Southend and against Oldham, you'd seen the genesis of Ardley Ball, which I kept saying a lot last week, but we'd saw what he was trying to set out and there was something a bit more direct about what was happening versus Barnet. They were pressing us so well, so maybe we weren't being able to play the style we wanted to. But I felt like the changes that, that Adley made kind of debilitated the um, the style of play that we were trying to play. So, you know, I, I don't want to jump on his back or anything daft or, you know, call for him to go or anything extreme. But I do think, genuinely, I think he got this one a little bit wrong on, on Tuesday night, if, that, if I'm being uh, totally honest with you. Yeah, I agree. I think... The second half against Barnet is the first time under Adley we've seen the players look like they're not really sure what the plan is. Mm-hmm. Um, even when we've not played well under him, there's always been sort of a structure, an idea. But mm-hmm. the second half against Barnet reminded me a bit of some of the performances under Martin earlier this season when it was yeah. all just a bit chaotic and wasn't clear who had what responsibilities and so on. Maybe that's a bit harsh because, like I say, there's mitigating circumstances with the illness and yeah. we were just playing much better quality opposition than we played previously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't think the switch in formation worked in the same way that it maybe did at Woking. In terms of how that leaves the league table looking, we're just outside the relegation zone on goal difference and we are eight points away from Altrium, who occupies the last playoff place. But after that mm-hmm. performance... What's the promotion train status this week? Is it, has it been cancelled? Is it a rail um, replacement it, service? It's, it's gone into a siding at the moment because right. um, you've got we've gone to uh, a playoff contenders ground and won uh, and not looked bad whilst doing so. But then we played one of the top, top teams this division and just had our behinds handed to us. So yeah, I think uh, we, we've just parked up for the time being. I don't know if trains can do that, but let's just say for, this, for purposes as metaphor. And uh, we're just checking the map. We're just checking the route to see if it's still uh, feasible. So, you know, depends in depending on further activity in the transfer market, it could go in any direction. But right now, I think, um, yeah, the promotion train is having a, a bit of a rest. And there have been a few comings and goings at the club as well over the past couple of days. So there's been players leaving. Uh, Kevin Joshua has joined Macclesfield on loan. Not sure whether we'll ever see him 
in a city shirt in an actual, you know, competitive game. But good that he'll be hopefully getting some uh, minutes under his belt. Alex Hurst, interestingly, has also joined Macclesfield on a permanent transfer. Maybe one to discuss a little bit more because, you know, he did make some impact, I guess, at the club last season. What were your feelings on Hurst? He never quite really hit the heights that we hoped he might when Askey brought him in. I'm surprised that um, he has gone if it is something other than a financial you know, a financial reason. Considering that, uh, that Ardley's asking his wingers kind of like to tuck in and act a bit more defensively and more solid and having the fullbacks bomb on, I think Hurst would have been very good at that. He was a very good um, defensive winger, I think is the phrase. And uh, I thought he would be the type of player that Adley would fancy working with. Now, maybe Adley did, and this offer came in. Uh, Hurst is a, is a Northwest boy. I believe he's uh, Cheshire-based. So move to a, a more local club probably makes more sense for him, you know, socially and financially. And if that's the case, then you can't argue with that. But I was I was a little bit surprised by this. I think he was very much a player who could leave. But I didn't quite think he was in a departure lounge, you know, so, so, so promptly. Yeah, uh, I would have kept him for a bit longer. You know, looking at what other wide options we've got, we've got um, a half fit Harriet. Um, Kennedy's still trying to play himself into a form of fitness. You never know what's going to happen to Maz. Saziba, hot and cold. So, yeah, I would have personally kept Hurst, but maybe he wants to go. There's maybe something we don't know about there. Yeah, I mean, there were rumours of him maybe being in the other one alongside Pyrus, who refused to play or whatever happened mm. on that particular evening. Um, I'm not hugely sad to see him go just because we do have a lot of options out wide and he's often struggled to have much end product, but I think he has always worked hard and put a shift in when he's played, and particularly he was played at wing-back towards the end of last season. He did make a contribution to our survival in the end, so, yeah, good luck to him, I guess, going forward. But, yeah, I didn't really see his his City career turning around at this stage. I think it was sort of inevitable he was going to leave sooner rather than later. In terms of players who are returning, uh, Finley Barnes has come back from his... Loan at Darlington, where I think he did quite well, at least in his first game. Got a couple of goals. Uh, looked decent pre-season, so we'll see whether he's troubling the first-team squad or whether he goes out somewhere else. And certain Ethan Henderson going out on loan. So um, I think, Ben, you, you wanted to um, maybe make this a feature. Ethan Henderson watch. Ethan Henderson I absolutely want to do this. Yeah, you're completely correct. Um, Ethan Henderson, of course, is the son of former York City chairman Glenn Henderson. Oh, is he? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not having an actual contract uh, signing announced by the club uh, is an official York City player featured in a squad photo, has his own squad number. But he has been loaned out to um, Atherton Collieries in, uh, I believe it's was it the Northern Premier. I'd have to double check that. But he's, uh, he's at a reasonable level when you consider you know, the non-league pyramid. He made his debut on Tuesday night, so whilst we were getting uh, stung by the bees, he was uh, coming on as a 70th-minute substitute when Afton Collieries were 1-up, and they proceeded to lose 2-1. Now, I don't want to say that uh, correlation is causation, but um, it was definitely all of his fault. We can only assume so, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we will be keeping an eye on how he, how he does out at Atherton, which I can confirm is in the... Northern Premier League Premier Division. And I can only assume, given it's Atherton Collieries, that he's being sent down the pit during the week as well <laughs> to uh, to work a shift there. So it'll be, a, mm-hmm. it'll be a, a learning experience, I think, for him out there. But yeah, mm-hmm. keep an eye out for Ethan Henderson watch. Ethan Henderson watch. 
So let's look ahead then to another double header that we got coming up. So it's another Saturday game followed immediately by a Tuesday game. First up, we've got a home game against Solihull. Now, unfortunately, we've just been talking about how good Barnet looked. Solihull are actually <laughs> above Barnet in the table, so that doesn't bode particularly well. So I'm a little bit concerned about this one. Obviously, there's the seven, Ardley seven, seven, seven wins and five draws, though. So I'm I'm definitely putting money on a, a score draw in this one. Yeah, well, they're fresh off a 2-0 win at Sir John Askey's Hartlepool. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's maybe, you know, the Ardley factor as well, as whether there's scores to settle there or, you know, don't know what the feelings are between the, the club and Ardley at this point. But, yeah, you would have to say that a point would be a good result from this one. Mm-hmm. And then we travel down to Dagenham and Redbridge on Tuesday evening, which, a bit more promisingly, they're struggling near the bottom of the table, much like us. Not one in five games, and they haven't scored in four games either, so... 2-0 Dagenham. <laughs> you reckon? No. <laughs> they're, they've scored only scored um, 10 goals a season, so a very low amount, um, but only considered 14. So... And we've considered 24. So it's it'll be an interesting game. I think it'll be a bit of a scrappy affair. But yeah, I think we've got a real chance of winning that one. Yeah, you just hope there's a reaction to, you know, how we performed in the second half against Barnet and mm-hmm. that we we don't sort of lose confidence on the basis of, of that and that we can, you know, hopefully bounce back with at least a decent performance against Solihull to show that we can we can still compete with the big boys, hopefully. Before we leave you, there was uh, one other bit of news. Uh, very much in the and finally category, which is some more recruitment's been going on at the club. So let me just bring up the story here. So George Ditchburn becomes Minsterman Head of Fun. Um, so it says, York City FC is delighted to welcome young five-year-old supporter George as the club's new Head of Fun. Um, and it's got a little little description of how the role came about. So it says that George spotted marketing director Mike Brown's staff pass and wanted one of his own. Um, and on the basis of that, they've... They've created this post and given it to him. Now, I've got a few questions, Ben. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah. Firstly, you know, I don't remember seeing this role advertised externally. Nope, I don't. Is this just another case of, of Matt Oogler appointing his mates to roles? or? It's job for the little boys, isn't it, really, when you think about <laughs> it. It's, it's very disappointing that um, this hasn't gone through the proper and thorough recruitment process. I thought we were past this at York City. You know, I thought we were leaving this sort of attitude behind under previous regimes. I thought we were properly vet, you know, vetting um, job applicants and p- potential employees. And I think it's very, very disappointing. I would like to apply for this. I like to think of myself as a very funny person. I have a laugh. I make jokes. I could have definitely increased the, uh, you know, the fun on a match day. What were you, you know, doing? Face painting, maybe? Well, yeah. I, I can do some of the face painting. I don't see why not. Um, it's the York City badge. What is this? It's a bit of red and white and blue, isn't it? It's dead straightforward, that. And I don't want to bring age into this, but, you know, the lad's five years old. What's the experience there? You know, I'm 36. I have had tons of fun in my um, my life. What's this lad done? Yeah, it's, let me stress, it's not that we're jealous. It's just that oh, we no. think there might have been people better qualified for the role of head of fun. And yeah, two of them I, might I be you know, involved with this podcast in some capacity. You know, that that's all we're well, maybe insinuating. We're just we're just asking questions, aren't we, Simon? Yeah, a lot of people are asking questions. A lot of people. <laughs> the, the only lad wanted uh, his own, you know, laminate, you know, pass or badge to, uh, to rep, you know, to reflect what Mike had. And I respect that. But, you know, I don't look at a pilot and say, oh, he's got a nice pilot license. I want one of them. 
I don't get it for free. I have to work hard for it, you know? I have to go to pilot school. Yeah, I mean, Why? Yeah. my daughter's turning five next month, and, you know, I've got a lot of time for her, you know? But would I want her in the workplace, necessarily, as the head of the department, whether that be the fun department or otherwise? Not necessarily. I agree. But no, in all seriousness, it is nice to uh, to see these little touches from from the club now and having a bit of fun with the younger fans on social media, wouldn't you say, Ben? Totally agree. It's nice to see such feel-good stories out there, um, even though it would make me feel better if it was me. <laughs> but yeah, good luck to George in his role. We hope he enjoys it. Absolute scenes in a couple of months' time when he's headhunted by Leeds United. <laughs> But yeah, I think that brings us to the end of, of this week's pod. As ever, thanks for all your engagement and appreciate any reviews people are leaving. If you've not been listening to our retro episodes, I would absolutely recommend that. We were very privileged to have an interview with Brian McClare talking about his memories of losing 3-0 to York City at Old Trafford. That was a, an enjoyable one, I think you'd agree, Ben. That was a fantastic episode. That uh, I really enjoyed speaking to Brian. He's a fantastic fella, uh, a good laugh, uh, very knowledgeable. Um, so it was really good to, I think we all kind of know about the the Oxus element of that fateful day, that, that great night, but it was nice to hear it from the other side as well. And uh, spoke uh, that story's told so well as, as well. That's fantastic. Yeah, so do give those a listen. Um, we will have more retro content coming up soon. We're going to be returning to our City Draft 11s of the century. Uh, so we've already picked our goalkeepers, but we're going to be looking at centre-backs next um, as we build our two sides that will ultimately face off in a fight to the death. Mm-hmm. So yeah, keep an eye out for that. But otherwise, uh, we'll look ahead to hopefully some more points on the board against Solihull and Dagenham. And we will be reporting back on those next week. But until then, keep the faith. Ready, set, let's go. Dance floor pro. I know, you know, I go psycho when my new joint hit. Just can't sit. Gotta get jiggy with it. That's-